Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Before we get started with today's session, I wanted to share a really amazing resource with you. A question that everyone has, a problem that everybody deals with is, how do I focus within my prayer? How do I enjoy my salah? Well, the answer to that question, the solution to that problem is actually quite straightforward and simple. If we understand what we say within our prayer, we'll be able to focus on it, internalize it, and actually get back to enjoying our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We created a solution to make this possible. It's called Meaningful Prayer. This is a course, a curriculum, a seminar, a workshop that I taught in over a hundred locations all across this country and even in other countries. Tens of thousands of people have taken this course and it has really turned around, transformed their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well now, inshallah, you can take the Meaningful Prayer course online. You can take it according to your own schedule, at your own leisure. You can pace yourself. You can go back and review lessons multiple times to really be able to internalize them. Go to MeaningfulPrayer.com to sign up. Share this resource with others so that we can get back to not only just offering our prayers or performing our salah, but we can go back to experiencing a conversation and relationship with Allah. Now, to get on to today's session, inshallah, we're going to be covering the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. The following session was recorded at the Seerah Intensive. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. I apologize for the delay, everyone. Inshallah, we're going to be starting today with uh, chapter number 56, which is the final chapter of the compilation by Imam At-Tirmidhi, rahmullahu ta'ala. Babu ma ja'a fi ru'yati rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fin nawm. This is the chapter about seeing the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings be upon him, in one's sleep. Now, before we get started, what this obviously alludes to, but just to clarify, is that this basically speaks about seeing the Prophet ﷺ in a dream. The word ru'ya, as mentioned before, uh, as mentioned in the title, the word ru'ya, with the uh, ta marbuta, the round ta, the end ru'yatun, basically means to see something uh, physically. And, but however, he adds the qualifier, finnom. To see him while sleeping. And so there is another word that represents that idea in its entirety, which is the word ru'ya, where it does not have a round ta at the end, but it ends with an alif. The word ru'ya means to means a dream. But Imam At-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah ta'ala, very kind of carefully crafted the title of this chapter, where instead of just borrow, utilizing the word which just means dream, ru'ya, he used the word ru'ya, which means to see something, uh, but then he added the qualifier finom. Now, why he went this exact route, um, we'll see when we read the chapter, because seeing the Prophet ﷺ in a dream is not like seeing any other dream. So, to differentiate it from all other different types of dreams, Imam Tirmidhi rahimullahu ta'ala utilized uh, a little bit of a different verbiage and he changed up some of the wording. So, 
before we actually get started, I wanted to um, just spend uh, a few minutes talking about um, just the concept of dreams in general. Uh, number one, obviously, because that is the subject of this uh, chapter. Uh, so I might refer to or might have to allude to certain things. Uh, and instead of just assuming on the part of everyone listening uh, that they are already familiar with these things, uh, I figured that we would just have a little bit of a qu quick um, uh, session, inshallah, or just in the beginning of the session, rather, excuse me, uh, we would just cover these items very quickly, first of all. Secondly, I also thought that I would go ahead and uh, just talk a couple of minutes about just the concepts of dream from an Islamic perspective, uh, because our community is obsessed with dreams. Uh, and, um, you know, one of, one of our teachers basically, he mentioned this one time, I share it with the students quite often, that there are certain buzzwords uh, in the Muslim community, and whenever you have a Muslim audience, there are certain buzzwords, and... The, the, he used to basically advise us and tell us that try to avoid these buzzwords as much as possible because what happens is that you can be talking about the miraculousness of the Qur'an for an hour and you then say the word jinn and nobody remembers a single thing you said. <laughs> Afterwards, everyone's like, I had a question about jinn. There's one in my basement, what do I do, right? So that's it. What I've been talking about is of no consequence to you. Now all you want to do is talk about jinn. So there's certain things, black magic, jinn, dreams. Uh, these are, I'm loading them all in into one right here. Your brains are probably uh, just, you know, melting at this point. Um, but that's the nature of it. So since obviously it's a more serious topic, it's again, you know, connected to the love of the Prophet sallallahu and also the honor bestowed upon the Prophet ﷺ by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, but nevertheless, it involves the subject of dreams, so I just figured I would just kind of talk about it very briefly. So I mentioned a little bit about the language. Ru'yah means al-basiratu bil'ayn. That basically means to physically see something. Uh, the word ru'yah with the alif at the end basically means a dream, which the, the way that they would understand that as, uh, the way they would explain that is al-basiratu bil-qalb. It's basically to see from the heart. That was the concept of dreams to the ancient Arabs, what, uh, that they basically saw this as kind of like a, almost a, um, a subconscious vision. And that's basically essentially what dreams are, it's just a manifestation of the subconscious. Um, along with that though, however, in the, in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ separates between three types of dreams. He uses three distinct words when talking about dreams. The first word the Prophet ﷺ uses is the word ru'ya. And um, the Prophet ﷺ basically says in a narration that Ibn Hajar ta'ala authenticates, he says, ru'ya min Allah. That ru'ya, the type of dream called ru'ya is from God, is from Allah. So basically what we understand from that is the word ru'ya, the Prophet ﷺ used it for good dreams. The second type of dream the Prophet ﷺ tells us about, and, or that he gives a special title to, is al-hulm, or hulum. It is both bisukun al-lami wa bidhammiha. Alright, hulum or hulm, which the Prophet ﷺ says, wal-hulmu shaytan that the Prophet ﷺ uses the word hulm to basically speak about bad dreams, nightmares, uh, etc. 
The third type of thing the Prophet ﷺ alluded to in another narration completely was the Prophet ﷺ referred to, and the Quran also uh, you know, utilizes this word, but the Prophet ﷺ more specifically addressed something by means of it, and that was the word adghath. Adghath. And the word adghath, basically, the Prophet ﷺ explains that that is just the manifestation of the subconscious. These are the random thoughts uh, or the day's events. Uh, or things someone might have just been, you know, thinking about um, when they kind of manifest in random jumbled, you know, uh, visions, if you will. Uh, then that's basically what refers to what's referred to as adghath. Now, when it comes to all three of these different things, there are um, there are some etiquette. There there is some etiquette uh, regarding these three different things. There's another narration of Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu where the Prophet sallallahu says that ar-ru'ya thalathatun far-ru'ya saliha bushra min Allah wa ru'ya tahzinun min ash-shaytan wa ru'ya mimma yuhaddithu al-mar'u nafsahu The Prophet sallallahu says that a, that dreams are of three types things you see in your sleep are of three types the first is a good dream and that is encouragement from God so something that encourages you, that lifts your spirits. The second is a dream that causes you some type of grief or brings you down, so to speak. And that is from shaitan, the Prophet ﷺ says. The third one, he says that a dream, uh, which basically it's kind of a person talking to themselves. And that's the, just the random thoughts of a person, the subconscious manifesting itself. So now talking about what is the exact or precise etiquette uh, of different types of dreams, then there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet ﷺ, he says in a narration from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, uh, anhu, this is an authentic narration found in the Sahih of Imam Bukhari, where the Prophet excuse me, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, إِذَا رَآءَ أَحَدُكُمْ رُؤْيَا يُحِبُّهَا فَإِنَّمَا هِيَ مِنَ اللَّهِ The Prophet ﷺ says that if any one of you sees a dream that is, the person likes what they see, it's encouraging, it's uplifting, um, then, then know that it is definitely from Allah. فَلْيَحْمَدِ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهَا وَلْيُحَدِّثْ بِهَا Then that person should thank Allah for that dream, and that person is free to basically talk about it. But the Prophet ﷺ adds some more instruction to this talk about it, this idea, in another narration from Abu Qatada uh, that is found in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, where the Prophet ﷺ says, فَإِنْ رَآ رُؤْيَا حَسَنَةً That if you see a good, beautiful, encouraging dream, فَالْيُبْشِرْ Then that person should feel encouraged by it. وَلَا يُخْبِرْ إِلَّا مَنْ يُحِبْ and that person should not inform it to accept someone who... Now, the word, the fi'al yuhib, which means to love, can actually be interpreted both ways. The person should not inform it to anyone except someone that that person loves. You're close to that person. And it can also be translated as that that person who saw that good dream should not inform it to anyone except someone who loves him, meaning a well-wisher, somebody that you feel has your best interest at heart, somebody who is a well-wisher, 
then you should basically inform the dream to that person. So this is the um, first instruction that we have in regards to good dreams. The second uh, type that we talked about where basically there is kind of a, a frightening or a disheartening uh, element to the dream. The Prophet says, That if that person sees something else, something that they do not like, then the Prophet says, Then it is from shaitan. The person should ask Allah for protection from the evil of that dream. And you should not mention it to anyone because know that it cannot harm you. It cannot harm that person. Alright? It can do no harm. So by not talking about it, there's some very deep, profound kind of, if you will, psychological advice from the Prophet that don't dwell on it. That don't internalize it. That the more you talk about it, the more you think on it, the more you reflect on it, the more you, you know, uh, talk about it with others, the more you'll continue to internalize it. And it will, as, you know, as they say, it will haunt you. It will bother you. It will really get under your skin. So the Prophet ﷺ says, don't talk about it. Don't mention it. Move right on. And in fact, the way to kind of mentally move on from it as well, فَلْيَسْعِدْ مِنْ شَرِيهَا Ask Allah for protection from its bad or its evil. And then again, the etiquette of that, um, the etiquette of that, that, that seeking refuge from it or taking, seeking protection from it that the Prophet ﷺ teaches us is that when a person basically kind of wakes up from that bad dream, that nightmare, then the Prophet ﷺ teaches us to say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ثلاثاً that the person should say, I take refuge with Allah from shaitan, the accursed, the rejected, the dejected, three times. And then the Prophet ﷺ in another narration specifically says that the person should make kind of a spitting type motion over the left shoulder of the person, uh, basically that is very uh, powerful and symbolic of just completely dismissing the shaitan and removing the influence of shaitan from the person. So that's the second type of dream. As far as the third type is concerned, which we were, uh, that we mentioned is just the thoughts of a person. Um, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he heard somebody basically talking about, you know, just seeing all these random things, and he said, Ukhruju la takhtarru. He basically, you know, this person was sitting there telling all these crazy, you know, random things that that person saw in their dream to somebody in the masjid. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu came and he said, everybody go. And don't be deluded by this. Like this is just, these are just random thoughts and ideas. Don't bother with this. The Prophet ﷺ, he told another sahabi radiallahu ta'ala anhum that, uh, that this seems like your thoughts were just kind of jumbled in your head. Um, so there's no real actual reality to it. And when you're not sure which one it is, then it's probably just a random thoughts, especially particularly with the types of, you know, the, the, the overstimulation that we have in our times. And we're constantly just absorbing just random things from all sides. More often than not, it's just the, just random things just kind of manifesting in our subconscious. And so it doesn't need to be paid any attention. The other thing is that the Prophet ﷺ did talk about إِذَا اِقْتَرَبَ الزَّمَانُ لَمْ تَكِدْ رُؤْيَ الْمُسْلِمُ تَكْذِبُ The Prophet ﷺ in another narration in hadith uh, in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said that one of the signs of the end of times, as time will kind of go on, is that 
people's dreams will lie to them. And what that basically means is that there will become more of a fascination and an obsession with dreams. And the more we become obsessed with it, we don't really realize kind of the ratios there, but more often than not, the vast overwhelming majority of our dreams absolutely have no meaning, don't require any type of obsessing over them, and it doesn't, uh, it should not be something that we really obsess over. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ was saying, is that these dreams a lot of times will just be kind of figments of people's imaginations, and people will make bigger things out of, uh, out of things that are not that big of a deal. The other thing that I wanted to mention while we're on the topic is that the Prophet ﷺ also says, لا يحدثن أحدكم بتلاعب الشيطان به في منامه The Prophet ﷺ said, don't sit and talk and obsess over shaitan playing minds, playing, playing uh, games, playing tricks on your mind while you're asleep. So this kind of reinforces that same idea. Now, um, the last uh, couple of things that I'll mention here is that there is still obviously a certain reality uh, to dreams, which there's a narration that we're going to be talking about uh, that's going to come a little bit later in the chapter. And when we get there, inshallah, we'll talk about it there and we'll really contextualize and understand it. A lot of times this narration, which is saying something very specific, is oftentimes misinterpreted and generalized to basically give credence to anything and everything a person might experience in their sleep. Um, and then the last and the final thing is that the, some of the scholars have mentioned, um, you know, uh, overwhelmingly that the scholars agreed upon the fact that dreams are absolutely, aside from the dreams of the Prophet ﷺ, but the Prophet ﷺ is not with us right now. So during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, his dreams are inspiration, revelation. But after the Prophet ﷺ, dreams are not a hujjah shari'iyah. They are not a dalil shari'i, which means they are not proof within our deen and our religion. They are not proof of anything. And decisions and actions should not be based upon dreams. That is something our scholars overwhelmingly agreed upon. Um, and so... With that being said, that kind of summarizes the issue and the topic. Now, let's move on to this because the one big exception to all of this conversation on dreams is seeing the Prophet ﷺ in one's dream. And so that's what this chapter will be dedicated to. So in this particular chapter, starting with the first narration, قَالَ الْمُصَنِّفُ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ بَشَّارِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنُ مَهْدِي قال حدثنا سفيان عن ابي اسحاق عن ابي الاحوص عن عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من راني في المنام فقد راني فان الشيطان لا يتمثل بي in this narration abdullah bin mas'ud رضي الله تعالى عنه says that the prophet of allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said he or she who has seen me in their sleep has in fact seen me because shaitan cannot impersonate me, cannot take my form. Shaitan cannot take my form. So, now to kind of unpack what this is talking about. So the Prophet ﷺ says that he who has seen me has in fact seen me. This is something that's very interesting. This is a jumla shartiyah. All right, where there's a condition and then a response to that. It's a conditional statement. And a conditional statement has two parts, two portions. Um, and what's really fascinating is that the 
shart and the jawab is exactly basically the same sentence. Man ra'ani faqad ra'ani. And this is from the eloquence of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet ﷺ is saying, someone who has seen me has in fact seen me. Now, there is so much conversation and discussion even amongst classical scholarship on this, and, you know, 80 different uh, opinions and interpretations, which I had the pleasure of going through all of them. Um, that. Ultimately to conclude, ultimately, ultimately to conclude, because I'll just kind of throw out a few things. There's a lot of different, you know, uh, ideas or conversations that different folks have entertained because of this narration and the others that we're going to see as well that are similar to this, that maybe it's saying that someone who has seen me, um, some have interpreted, there are some narrations to the effect, فَسَيَرَانِي Someone who has seen me will soon see me. Meaning that that person will see me while they are awake. Somebody who has seen me in their sleep, fil manam, will see me while they are awake. So some folks entertain the idea that is this saying that somebody who sees the Prophet in a dream will have kind of like a waking vision of the Prophet And that obviously is conjecture and it's dismissed. Um, some have said that, saying that um, somebody, so someone who has seen me in their dream um, has in fact seen me that basically it's like physically witnessing the Prophet ﷺ and physically being in the company of the Prophet ﷺ. And some have entertained the idea that seeing the Prophet ﷺ in a dream is almost like an out-of-body experience. Like your soul was transported and you then were in the company of the Prophet ﷺ and so on and so forth. Obviously, once more, conjecture and is dismissed. Um, some others have entertained the idea, which is now getting to an area of at least a little bit more rationale, if you want to call it that, that the Prophet ﷺ maybe is saying that somebody who has seen me in their sleep will in fact see me in the afterlife. Will like physically be in my company and will witness me. While now we're kind of in the realm of norm, a little bit more normative Islamic thought, however the problem with that is that it's basically saying only those will see the Prophet ﷺ who actually saw him in a dream. But what if somebody is a true believer of the highest caliber and does not see the Prophet ﷺ in their dream? And there's actually documented testimony from some of the Sahaba and the companions that after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, just because they missed him, they were his actual friends and companions and students, they missed him, some of them would talk about the fact that they wanted to see him again. And they would long to kind of see him in a dream. And some of them lament the fact that I, have, I don't see him in a dream. So is that somehow now taking away from the idea? There are many other remarkable people, luminaries from our past, who again, we don't know for certain what anyone's fate is. But at the same time, we we have the best hope and assumption in regards to them. These are pious, righteous, knowledgeable you know, people who talk about the fact that they, you know, I longed my whole life to see the Prophet ﷺ in a dream and I didn't see him. Does that somehow now mean that they're not going to get to meet the Prophet ﷺ? Right? And so again, it's rejected, it's dismissed because it's once again creating an idea that there's no basis for it, there's no backing for it. It's almost kind of narrowing down the scope uh, of something that we know to be much, much greater. That all the believers, all the people of this ummah, who will go to paradise, will actually drink water from the blessed hands of the Prophet 
So is there going to be some type of like a filtering there that who saw the Prophet in a dream and didn't? That's not a standard we have from anywhere. Alright, so that again, even though it's a little bit more now normal, the conversation, but it's still suggesting something that cannot be proven and cannot be corroborated. So lastly and finally, kind of to conclude what I wanted to originally share with y'all, many, many different scholars such as Qadi Ayyad, Imam al-Nawawi, uh, Imam al-Juwaini, um, and, and actually there's tons of others as well. These are just more of the uh, Shafi'iyah, the Sadatu Shafi'iyah, because I was reading this from the Sharh of al-Bajuri, who is a Shafi'i. Um, but basically the idea that they are sharing is that when someone sees the Prophet ﷺ in their dream, then they can at least know for a fact that this was not shaitan trying to delude them or confuse them. And they can also know for a fact that it's not just kind of the, 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 the ramblings or just a, you know, just a random thought within their head. They can at least find comfort in the fact that they have actually seen the Prophet ﷺ in their dream. Now, this leads to two questions. Two questions. Number one is that, how do you know that you've seen the Prophet ﷺ in your dream? And the overwhelming answer that comes from the scholars, and I'll talk about one specific scenario, the overwhelming answer that comes from the scholars is that you just know. Right? And I know that that doesn't help anybody much. Um, but those who know, know. Right? And I keep on using the word know. Right? So, but that's just, this is, this is the, the, to an extent, right? And we're going to go over that narration, but the realm of dreams a lot of times is described kind of as like the bridge, the intersection between this life and the, the unseen, the barzakh, the afterlife. It's kind of like the bridge there because the Prophet ﷺ told us that sleep uh, is the sister of death, right? That it's, it's, it's that connection. It's like a bridge to the afterlife. So... Um, because of that, a lot of things there are not always bound by the same rationale and by the same principles and, and dawabit, qawa'id that this world operates with. So that is just something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intuitively instills within a person that when a person sees the Prophet in their dream, they just have that confirmation. Many of the different you know, uh, scholars who have written on the subject do basically say that those who talk about having seen the Prophet ﷺ in their dreams, will basically say that there will be something in the dream itself, either somebody saying, هَذَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ This is the Messenger of God, or there will be something in the conversation, which basically will lead to the confirmation of the fact that it is in fact the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. Either way, however it is, whether it is just intuitive, or there's something that occurs within the dream which confirms that, Basically, when someone sees the Prophet ﷺ in their dream, they will know that they have seen the Prophet ﷺ in their dream. And once they, have, they, they come to feel this and know this, then they can know that they actually witnessed the Prophet ﷺ. Now this has a follow-up question to it, the second thing I wanted to mention here, and that is that there's a narration that we're going to see as well, we're going to look at, I'm not sure if we'll get to it today, but potentially tomorrow. Um, and that is that... There are conversations that some of the Sahaba had that when someone came to them and said, I saw the Prophet ﷺ in their dream, and they basically asked for a description. But that also is um, because the Sahaba, you know, took it a lot more personally. The Prophet ﷺ to them was, was someone, you know, that they had interacted with. 
And they, the, the person who had seen the Prophet in the dream provides kind of like a description of what that person saw and they actually confirmed it. When we study the Shama'il, when we study the prophetic personality and we learn about the Prophet there is a little bit more of an understanding. Again, we can't totally visualize, but there's a more better understanding of what the Prophet must have looked like. So, a lot of times when folks will see the Prophet in a dream, he will match very much a lot of the description that we have of him. That right there doesn't create any confusion. That seems very straightforward. But there are accounts of people saying that they saw the Prophet in their dream. And it was, you know, like we said, intuitively or in the course of the dream itself, that confirmation occurs. And, but there's something very, maybe different about the setting or something about the appearance of the Prophet from the narrated descriptions of the Prophet There's something that is a little bit starkly contrast, right? It, it, it kind of contrasts what we read about him, what we know about him. And then how do you basically understand that, right? So what they basically say, and this is something very interesting, and uh, the, the, the scholars that I was mentioning basically talk about this idea. Imam Ghazali, rahimullah ta'ala, also addresses this, that more often than not, when a person sees something a little bit different than the appearance of the Prophet that is described to us, there's usually some type of a message involved in that difference. That difference is communicating something. The example that he gives to just kind of not, um, you know, take too many liberties in talking about the Prophet ﷺ, because we should also be cautious and careful. The Prophet ﷺ is described as always seen smiling. He was always smiling. In fact, the Sahaba overwhelmingly say, I never saw him, you know, ever in a situation where he wasn't smiling. I always saw him smiling. So what if the Prophet ﷺ sees, or excuse me, what if someone sees the Prophet ﷺ, and he is frowning, like frowning. Like his face is obviously, you know, um, displaying a lot of, you know, angst and displeasure. Which is, we don't find any description of the Prophet ﷺ like that. So it's very, you know, opposite to what we know about him. Then how do we understand that and how do we interpret that? And so he uses this as an example to say that there is some type of a message in that for that person. That there's some type of a message, and one of the interpretations he mentions is that it's a message to that person that, about maybe the um, reprehensibility of that person's character and akhlaq. That the message there is that that person is being told, your akhlaq is not good. Your interaction, your behavior with the people is not pleasant. So you're seeing the Prophet ﷺ frowning. Like that's the messaging there. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that that person has, in fact, seen and witnessed the Prophet ﷺ. So, now basically, um, to go to the actual narration, it then says, فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا يَتَمَثَّلُ بِي The Prophet ﷺ said that because shaitan is not able to imitate me or to take my appearance. 
The next narration, قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن بشار ومحمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا محمد بن جعفر قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي حسين عن أبي صالح عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من رآني في المنام فقد رآني فإن الشيطان لا يتصور أو قال لا يتشبه به Very similar to the previous narration but with a little bit different uh, vocabulary. Abu Huraira narrates that the Prophet said that someone who has seen me in their sleep, in their dream meaning, then that person has actually seen me. And then the Prophet says because shaitan is not able to appear or is not able to resemble me, cannot imitate me. And all these, all these three words that are used, tamathul, tasawwur, uh, and tashabbuh, are basically sister words, near synonyms of one another. They have their own specific connotations, but essentially the message is the same in all three cases, and that is, shaitan is not able to give off uh, the notion, or take on the appearance, or give the impression that he is presenting himself as the Prophet ﷺ. And this is for a couple of reasons, as you know, we kind of mentioned before, uh, that number one, obviously, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's honor to the Prophet ﷺ. And number two, this is also so that shaitan is not able to use this most powerful uh, elements, the love of the Prophet ﷺ, the place that he holds in all of our hearts, um, and he's not able to basically turn that against us and use that against us. The third narration in the chapter, قال المصنف حدثنا قتيبة قال حدثنا خلف بن خليفة عن أبي مالك الأشجاعي عن أبيه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من رآني في المنام فقد رآني قال أبو عيسى وأبو مالك هذا هو سعد بن طارق بن أشيم وطارق بن أشيم هو من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وقد روى عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحاديث سمعت علي بن حجر يقول قال خلف بن خليفة رأيت عمر بن حريث صاحب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنا غلام صغير So in this narration you have a different Sahabi. So Imam Tirmidhi is kind of compiling all these different narrations together. You have it from Abdullah bin Mas'ud, you have it from Abu Huraira, and here you have it from a companion of the Prophet ﷺ by the name of Tariq ibn Ashyam. As he mentions, Abu Malik al-Ashya'i um, is the kunya of, the, uh, of a man named Sa'ad bin Tariq. That's what the commentary there uh, from Imam Tirmidhi on the chain of narration is basically saying. The Abu Malik al-Ashya'i is a tabi'i. His name is Sa'ad ibn Tariq. And his father, Tariq bin Ashyam, was a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. And he actually has quite a few narrations that he has reported from the Prophet ﷺ. But essentially, it's a third narration now corroborating the same idea that the person who has seen me in the dream has actually seen me. It is not shaitan impersonating me. قال المصنف حدثنا قتيبة وهو ابن سعيد قال حدثنا عبد الواحد بن زيادة عاصم بن كليب قال حدثني أبي أنه سمع أبا هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه يقول قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من رآني في المنام فقد رآني فإن الشيطان لا يتمثلني قال أبي فحدثت به ابن عباس فقلت قد رأيته فذكرت الحسن بن علي فقلت شبهته به فقال ابن عباس إنه كان يشبهه 
In this narration, Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that the Prophet said that someone who has seen me in their dream has in fact seen me. Because shaitan is not able to impersonate me. Then the narrator, he actually says, uh, Kulayb, the narrator, he says that I mentioned this to uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. Alright, so Kulayb says that my father, rather, whose fa- his father, uh, his name was Shihab al-Kufi, he was a tabi'i, he says that my, I, um, my father mentioned that he told Ibn Abbas um, that I saw him uh, in my dream. Alright, so Shihab al-Kufi, the father of the narrator, Kulayb's father, he says that I went to Ibn Abbas and I said, I saw the Prophet in a dream. And so basically what's implied here is that Ibn Abbas asked him, can you describe what you saw? And so he says, I gave him a reference of someone else I had seen. And I basically mentioned Hassan, the grandson of the Prophet the elder, Hassan of the two brothers. So he said, and my father, he says basically that my father then mentioned that I felt from what I saw in my dream, that the Prophet ﷺ, the man that I saw, the Prophet ﷺ, he reminded me of Hassan. Now obviously it's the other way around. The Prophet ﷺ did not look like Hassan. Hassan looks like the Prophet ﷺ. But you understand from his perspective, he has physically met Hassan. And then he's seeing the Prophet ﷺ in a dream. So that's his reference point. Alright? So he says that I felt like the Prophet ﷺ resembled Hassan. He reminded me of Hassan. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhum actually confirms and he goes, yes that is true, Hassan does in fact resemble the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hassan does in fact resemble the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what's very interesting about this, what's very interesting about this is that um, the, some of the Sahaba mention when describing uh, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, excuse me, not just any of the Sahaba, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the father of Hassan Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, he actually said that Hassan, his, his face resembled the face of the Prophet His hair and his facial features resembled the Prophet very closely. And the younger brother, Hussein, his physical stature was like the Prophet he was physically built like the Prophet ﷺ. His height, kind of his build, was very similar to the build of the Prophet ﷺ. But Hassan, the older brother, while his physical build was not like that of the Prophet ﷺ, but his face and his hair resembled the Prophet ﷺ very closely. So both grandsons in that way were a reflection of the Prophet ﷺ. They resembled him. And the reason for that, very um, you know, interestingly, was the fact that their mother Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha was, you know, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that when Fatima walked into a room, there was no mistake about the fact that she was the Prophet's daughter. It says when Fatima walked into a room, it was like you were witnessing the Prophet. She looked like him, she talked like him, she walked like him. She looked like him, her facial features, right? She very closely resembled the Prophet ﷺ. It was breathtaking. Um, and so you see that obviously reflected within her children as well. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with all of them. Um, what I'll mention here, and, and this will be the last narration we do today, we'll continue on tomorrow because there's a longer narration, but I wanted to mention something that I forgot to um, you know, talk about uh, at the beginning, but it's good kind of as a concluding thought. The scholars mentioned, you know, Imam Tirmidhi, some of the commentators on the book of Shama'il, they also comment on Imam Tirmidhi's thought process and his wisdom. In mentioning this as the very last chapter, even though it's so personally about the Prophet ﷺ, it's a subject that is specific to the Prophet ﷺ, but the reason why they say he mentions it all the way at the end of the book is that this is, you know, with all respect and reverence and regard, but this is something secondary. This is something secondary. Right? When it comes to developing love for the Prophet ﷺ, seeing him in a dream or not seeing him in a dream, of course, seeing him in a dream is not something that we talk bad about. This is one of those topics I, you know, we were talking about earlier in the Sirah class as well. Yes, do some people go to a particular extreme with some things? They do. But do not ex- respond to one extreme with the other. Do not speak dismissively about seeing the Prophet ﷺ in a dream. Oh yeah, okay, so big deal. What's, don't talk like that. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, it's, it's, it's something that is significant. It is significant. Yes, it's not like an automatic stamp of piety, like, alright, I never have to pray ever again. Right? That's not a thing. Alright? That's not a thing. But at the same time, it is still something significant and something established. And the Prophet ﷺ spoke about it. So don't speak about it in very dismissive terms. It is disrespectful. And about something the Prophet actually spoke about, to be dismissive about that, very dangerous for a person's faith and a person's iman. No, 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 never. But what we can say is that it is not necessarily reflective of how much a person loves the Prophet or does not. About whether they saw him in a dream or not. But look at the sequence, look at the things that Imam Tirmidhi mentions before that. He says those are a lot more important. First, he paints a very detailed, descriptive, you know, picture of the Prophet ﷺ. Like he very intimately describes him. How he looked, how he walked, how he talked. Because that's, appreciating that is something that will actually contribute to your love of the Prophet ﷺ. Will help you feel closer. Then there is the character of the Prophet ﷺ, which not only appreciating that, but then emulating his character is something that will actually, once again, bring you closer to the Prophet And he mentions this all the way at the end, because this is the smallest, if any at all, of a factor when it comes to the love of the Prophet And that is a very important note to take. That is something very important to note down, and something very, very important to remember. And again, remembering kind of our obsession, our unhealthy, you know, respectfully speaking, but... Just in general, not about the Prophet ﷺ, but just in general, our a bit of an unhealthy obsession uh, with dreams most definitely affects here where I don't know about the life of the Prophet ﷺ. I don't actually know, like the Sirah we study all day long every day. I don't know about his actual life. I don't even know about how you know he was. I don't concern myself with his character and his akhlaq. And then I'm just waiting for a dream to basically somehow, you know, uh, absolve me of all that responsibility. That's, a, that's an unhealthy attitude. Maybe, but at the same time, we don't speak dismiss, uh, dismissively about it. We don't dismiss someone 
who might have a dream of the Prophet ﷺ because that might inspire them. That might be the catalyst to, you know, encouraging them to learn more about the Prophet ﷺ and to start emulating his character and to try to be more like him. Wallahu ta'ala alam bisawab. With that, we'll conclude the session here. Inshallah bidnillah, we'll continue on uh, from the fifth narration uh, in the next session. Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanakallah bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nasafaran tabi ilayk.